fucking do it ready yep hey guys welcome to this episode of the street cop training podcast i'm your host founder and ceo of street cop training my name is dennis benito today with me uh, the legendary the one and only the man who is changing the way law enforcement is done a blessing to all of us light skin red hair just the prince of darkness the highway menace the king himself, the Red Ninja, Kenneth Williams. Sergeant Kenny Williams. Hi, Ken. Hi, how are you? I don't know how to follow up that intro besides saying hi. There is uh, there is no question that this is what, your third or fourth time on the podcast? Yep. Kenny is our most sought-after instructor, teaches a program called Interdiction Mastermind. It is a one-day program. You can check his training out at streetcop.com. It's Really badass. People love it. And if you don't know who Kenny is, do some research on him. He's not going to tell you how good he is, but uh, he is top five in the country in the game of finding guns, drugs, and money and illegal things on the highways. So they just, uh, you know, he and, and I think people have laid the sword down that that is factually, uh, statistically proven. So, um, but I like how you sit there and just accept those accolades because in the past you'd be like, ah, that's not true, bro. I don't want to interrupt you, but uh, yeah, I don't, know. <laughs> I don't know about all this stuff. But anyway, uh, you know, just so everybody knows that Kenny is probably one of the most humble people I've ever met in my life. We often have humble offs. Uh, we get on the phone, we'll, we'll humble off each other trying to, that kind of sounds a little strange, but we do have humble offs. And um, Kenny hosted my second out of state when I started, was only teaching in New Jersey, you know, many years ago. He actually hosted the second time I was out of, out of state. And uh, when I had gone out there, uh, I met him and I was like, uh, who, you know, I don't even know who he was or who this guy is. I I was probably a little less humble at that time. And I remember somebody saying to me, like, I'm like, hey, you guys do a lot of work out there. They're like, Kenny, don't fucking sleep on Kenny. He's he's like the baddest dude out here. He's no joke. And that was like 2017 slash 2018, right around that time when you hosted uh, for the first time. And, um, you know, I was unfamiliar with the kind of work that you were doing and found out rather quickly that you are uh, and were and are the guy in that area associated with the ability to go out and really knock down some significant seizures on the highways. Very, very uh, talented guide, skilled. So driven and practice and skill, and this is what you get, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. I'm very motivated. I don't know if I'm the best, like you're trying to describe it, but I definitely am motivated. I, I took interdiction and it's something that I wanted to accomplish. I felt it was challenging. It was more of a, a mental game to law enforcement. And I felt like beating people at a mental game is something that is, rewarding when you win. You know, I hate to, I'm not trying to make light of the significance of DWI enforcement, but compared to that, they're two completely different games. Uh, I think I mentioned in the past that a guy, I'll never forget, reached out to me and he's like, you know, uh, you got any tips for knocking out or knocking down DWIs? And I'm like, pull over half the cars that are driving after 1230 at night and you'll be fine. Right, like, and then if you want to really whittle it down, anybody who's speeding after twelve thirty at night is probably going to have been drinking. Right, I mean, literally half the people on the road after twelve thirty at night have consumed alcohol, and obviously, you can consume alcohol. It's impairment that you can't be driving while you're impaired. Do I drink and drive? I don't. I touch booze. I don't. I don't get in the car. So, um, you know, uh, where this is a whole different animal, right? Because it's easy. You have to comply. You're. you're According to your license, you've forfeited the right to refuse DW, uh, refuse SFST, standard field sobriety testing under NHTSA, which is the National Highway Traffic Safety Association. So you pull somebody over, you smell booze, they seem impaired, you step out, you know your SFSTs, you provide them, you lock them up with the DWIs over and done with. It's like shooting fish in a barrel at night, it really is. Uh, but yeah. interdiction is a very, very skilled game of going out and pretextually selecting vehicles based on a number of factors, training experience, not based on any biased reasons. And being able to interrupt and disrupt uh, criminal enterprises. And it's fucking wild, man. And it's really, really, it's you know, essentially the underlying core of why we built street cop training. Um, it's really where our feel comes from. And obviously, we've expanded to other spaces. But overall, a lot of us, our, our stuff is about criminal apprehension. So. Yeah, for sure. I think with the DDO is not like the down plan, but it's very, uh, it's became a very regimented and almost like a checkbox type thing that the courts 
you know, requires to do certain things at a certain time during a traffic stop where there's no two people that are going to lie and be deceptive and do things to mask what they're carrying in their car where an OWI is pretty, uh, or DWI is pretty consistent across the board. Mm -hmm. No question about it. What do you want to give for people today? Ken? what do you want to do? I think we should break Den down and find out some things about how he and why he became the police. Um, maybe something about why you stayed in this field and didn't uh, adventure off and stay with like the real estate game. You heard that? Yeah, I heard you. Um, and just yeah. so you know, the, Kenny and I are actually very, very, very good friends now. After we host the first train, not only a instructor with this company, but um, often stays at my house and brings my kids the worst fucking toys to play with that make a goddamn mess everywhere purposely. He purposely likes sure. to find the most annoying shit to give my children so they can just create. I've literally taken things you sent and thrown them right in the garbage. <laughs> right? Like I've literally, <laughs> how many, how many, were you send 40 pounds of gummy bears one day? Yeah. Yeah. So good news. They got, they got to keep about three ounces of them. <laughs> the rest came to the office where these, uh, people who are hinging on diabetes inhaled them <laughs> rather rapidly. Um, but yeah, I just want people to know that we are very good friends and uh, thankful to have them associated with this company and uh, really doing wonderful things for the world. So I guess the first question is, is what made me get into law enforcement? I knew at a young age that I was going to be a cop, right? And maybe the way that I behaved didn't reflect that. You know what I mean? People don't know who I am and uh, have no context of my early upbringing. I'm from New Jersey. In a nutshell, I graduated high school, uh, the class clown. And I was, I was a pretty uh, wild dude. And I always said to people, best cops are the criminals who never got caught, right? <laughs> I think that's you know? true, though. I mean, yeah, at, at some level. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was robbing banks, but I wasn't <laughs> right, a right. kid who was like sheltered at home, did it in my mouth. I was the class clown, best sense of humor. Um, you know, I, dude, I was barely in school. You know what I mean? Like I was just, uh, it wasn't for me. I didn't want to be there and I wasn't afraid. And I just knew that I had this, uh, this affection and this affair in my mind with becoming a cop. So, um, I didn't know any cops at the time. I had nobody in my family was a cop. I didn't even have friends that were cops. And I did what I thought I was supposed to do. Went to community college and our, our criminal justice teacher, I took two, two classes the first semester and I fucking hated it, dude. Like I didn't want to, I'm like, oh, I'm back at school again. Like this fucking sucks, dude. Like I didn't want to be in school in the first place. And now I'm back in school. And, um, the teacher at the uh, community college said, uh, she goes, you know, you don't, you don't need college to be a cop. And I went, I raised my hand. I said, what, could you repeat that? And she goes, yeah, you don't, I go, you don't need college to be a cop. She goes, no. And this was probably in like November. Our civil service test comes out in February in the state of New Jersey. And maybe, maybe October-ish. I think the deadline, I think I caught the deadline by a week. And she's like, no. And she started explaining to me. She's like, you, don't, you only need a high school diploma. You can go to the, you had to go to a library back then. I go, where can you get this application? There was no websites, dude. This is, two, this is 1999, 2000. And she goes, you know, you can go to uh, your po local public library and post offices where you'll find the civil service exam. And I think I went to four or five different libraries in town trying to find one. And I finally, because they were taken, they put these little stands out with them. And, you know, I guess the state gave them so many applications and they were gone. I finally found one and um, filled it out, sent it in and took my first civil service exam. You Can know, you explain that? So, like, so here in Indiana, when, uh, when you apply, it's like a department opens up, you know, open invitations or you have to come pick up the application and then you have to turn it in. And then you have like already like a test date ready lined up. Can, what's the civil service? Is that just like a, at one test from multiple departments in? So in New Jersey, there's two kinds of agencies. There's a chief's agency and a civil service agency. So how it works is a chief's agency can do whatever they want. They really have carte blanche to hire who they want, hire from anybody where they want to hire them from. Uh, they can do a lot of things. And, so it's, and other agencies um, submit to New Jersey Civil Service Commission. And what that means is at the time, I think they were called something else, but now it's called the Civil Service Commission. They were called Department of Personnel then or some shit. And what they do is they remove themselves from the process of having to test people. It's a statewide test and promotional testing that's run through the state. I think there's a lot of civil service protections. Um, there's good and both to bad of them. Uh, I'm sorry, 
good and bad, good and bad to both of them. And uh, that was a weird how I said that, but um, you have to live in the town that you are testing for. So where I lived, I, I was only eligible for the town that I lived in and the county sheriff's office and corrections, state and county corrections. Uh, and people don't know state and county corrections in the state of New Jersey are sworn law enforcement positions. You get, you're a sworn law enforcement officer, full arrest powers, you carry a gun the whole nine. I know a lot of states, they're like correctional deputies and, you know, uh, detention officers here. The patches on corrections uniforms say police. And actually a lot of our sheriff's departments who run the jails, you wouldn't know the difference between their uniforms and their, and their road guys. So you'd have, they wear the same exact uniform. Interesting. And, and actually some of those jail guys do in some counties work off duty uh, in uniform as functioning police officers. Same academy? Same academy, different program. Okay. So one's an abbreviated academy for corrections, generally somewhere from 12 to 17 weeks, depending on the academy you go to. And then I think overall our police academies are 21 to 24 weeks. And some might be 21 because they do like 10 and a half hour days. Gotcha. So the other ones will do eight hours or nine hour day. Listen, you do it eight hour day, you're still doing 10 hours at the academy. Let's face right. facts. Um, yeah, that's right. So uh, yeah, that's how it works, dude. And I was eligible to take the test in my town. And, uh, you know, I went to a couple different agencies, went to three different police academies. I was tenacious. I was not willing to just settle for where I was. Glad I didn't. I'm glad I ended up on my third go around. It's very, very hard to become a cop in New Jersey. It's very, very hard even today where this there's been disinterest in becoming a cop, uh, like different than what it used to be. Uh, now it's still very, very difficult to get on the job in New Jersey. It's very hard. And, you know, which means in turn, it's kind of hard to retain a job. So if you get yourself in trouble here, I mean, you can get out of it. But if you happen to get terminated, like you're, you're, you're pretty much blacklisted. You can never get on again here. It's very, very difficult because there's so many people who are good qualified candidates to becoming police officers. I mean, if you look at some of the guys and girls that we have here versus some of the things you might see around the country, I'm not saying there's not great men and women, but overall, I think you get a better quality cop here because they pay so well and everybody wants to. You're getting a quality candidate. You're not... You're not scraping around, digging at the bottom of the barrel, trying to get anybody to take this job and answer service calls. You got cops here who really look the part. You can almost tell when cops are from New Jersey. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I and I think the brotherhood there, I mean, the pay is phenomenal, but I think the brotherhood there too is something that I, a lot of cops uh, want to be involved with. I mean, it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the best in the country, I think, when it comes to like that absolute, like across the board, like all cops there are like legit, like brothers, they all, take care of each other, you know, it's, it's, it's unique. I mean, it's awesome, but it's still unique for that, that state, I think. Um, you know, you, you've been here a few times, you see the difference in, in how these guys are. And by the way, that, that, that really is a Northeast thing. Um, that travels from, I would say Maryland straight up through, through Maine and okay. probably crosses over into Pennsylvania until like, you know, I, I still think it, I still think it's pretty solid across the country. Um, I think it, you know, you guys are out in Indiana. Seems good in Ohio. It seems good in a lot of those places. So that hunk of the country. Um, but yeah, especially New Jersey, New York, Pe like Philly, Pennsylvania, th that like the eastern side of PA, um, and then certainly Boston. I mean, man, they, those guys are great. There's a, it's, a, it's a big camaraderie. And I think that's kind of the allure to some people taking the job here is that they, they see what kind of, you know, what you get to join. You don't just get a job. You're literally joining a lifestyle. Right. You know, and the, yeah, the, the brotherhood is, is good here too. It's just like, um, like you guys as PBA, we don't have something like that. And that, I, that I think brings a lot of people from other departments together where ours is, I mean, we're all, you know, we're all cool. We all go to the Academy with a bunch of different guys and stuff, but it, it's that, I think that PBA keeps people together for throughout their careers almost. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a cool place, man. These guys are great. And, um, and that if people don't know, like our state police, are phenomenal and we all see each other on the same playing field. I mean, contrary to what people might believe or some of you experience in other States, like state police and local police here, they, I mean, they are get along flawlessly. They're all best friends off duty and on duty. Like friends with so many, like so many, so many of my good friends are troopers. And like, it's never this game of like, I'm better. You're better. It never is. It's always like, what can we do for you guys? You know, whatever we can do, we work together, but in pursuits like never, ever, these guys are fucking outstanding. They're, they're wonderful. And I can't speak enough of the camaraderie that I'm proud of between 
uh, all the agencies. And, you know, like a lot of the federal guys or Jersey guys who got on the task force and made it back, you know, the federal agencies and came back. So like, everybody's got this mindset that they're all on the same team. You know, there's no there's no fucking with each other. Like, it just doesn't if it happens, it's so goddamn rare, you know, and and it's, it, and like, I guess ever anything could be possible. And, it, and it, it does happen at times, but it's so rare. Right. And we're trying to, you know, remind everybody of like why it's important to be good to each other, you know, because we really need to have each other's backs, you know, and that, that's across the board. And, and if you wear a badge uh, and you, you could disagree with my statement all you want, but if you wear a badge, you're just in a you're a different person to me. Just as what it oh, is. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I mean, you got to look at like uh, even the past, like when things get bad, like it's, you know, I don't know. It seems that us as cops come together and when things are really bad and I mean, we're counting on everyone from everywhere to kind of come to help each other out in those incidents and to have that brotherhood out there. I mean, it's everywhere, but out there, you know, I can only imagine. That's strong. Philly's got a crazy brotherhood. Those guys are great. Like they're, the Philly FOP is wild, dude. Like they've awesome. got this, we got to go out there. I'm going to have Jesse, uh, uh, you know, Hartnett. I'm going to have him set up. When you come out here again, dude, we're going to go out. I'm going to show you the, the Philly FOP like on their party nights. It's, it is wild, bro. Like it's like a straight up fucking nightclub. They have their own like FOP building and stuff. It's humongous. That's it's awesome. like, dude, you're You will never believe what their union looks like. It's we have a restaurant inside. Like it's a full blown, like sports bar. Um, it's, I went to an event for, uh, Paul Sullick, who was uh, shot and wanted to do it. He's a fucking stud. Dude, he gets shot twice, runs the dude down, fucks the dude up, and locks him up. Wow. But the guy's a stud, though. If you ever see him, you're just like, well, man, this guy's like, he's one of those people you look at, you're like, this motherfucker's naturally fucking physically gifted, right? Like, he just has that tree trunk neck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, he's just one of those guys you could just tell is just a beast. Like my brother in law. My brother was a, uh, you know, he's a cop, too. He's just a, he's a physical fucking specimen. He annoys the piss out of me. <laughs> but I love him to death. Um, got the hand coordination and the skill of my brother-in-law and his, his physical ability. It's wild. The guys, the guys, like his body just craves to be beaten up and physically destroyed. Like he, if he's not getting that, he doesn't feel normal. I know a few guys like that, you know, <laughs> not me. Yeah. I'm like, get your fat ass up, get down to basement, go to the gym. <laughs> um, so yeah, man, that was, uh, that's really kind of the beginning of my story. And, and, uh, he has a lot of things to my life. Um, you know, I, I did eventually leave on an injury, depart from law enforcement. Uh, but at the time I was, you're right. I owned a barber shop. I had a, uh, I was, I was running a real estate team at the time when I left, I wasn't running a real estate team. I was a, I was a licensed realtor and I started gaining some traction. And then I uh, also was doing street cop training since 2012. Um, so as I continued to expand and grow, I had to, you know, essentially the first thing I did free myself from was the barbershop. Um, so I was doing three things and it was just too many things. And I actually realized that when I went to a business mastery seminar in West Palm Beach, Florida, hosted by Tony Robbins, and I was trying to do the, uh, these workshops we were doing, but running three businesses through all these scenarios. And I'm like, this is fucking crazy. So I sat with my partner my, at the barbershop and I said, look, I, I I'm going to be leaving. And then, uh, you know, I had, a, I had, Street cop training began to take off, really. I mean, I was doing well, but now it really started to explode. And um, I was also running a small real estate team. I had three realtors underneath me um, on my team. And we were having, uh, I, was, I, was, I was winning awards very quickly. I was having very, very big traction. As, as real estate, my life began to change. Um, I'm a hustler. I'm a worker. So, like, once I saw this opportunity and I started really, and I was doing a real nice job at real estate. I wasn't being... Uh, you know, I was doing the right thing. And that was word was traveling around very quickly that I was a realtor you could rely on. And I think my business card said, I always answer my phone. It may sound simple to you work with somebody who doesn't. That's right? good. And, like and that would be a complaint of a lot of people we'd meet like my fucking realtor sucks. They don't answer the phone. Yeah, because it takes you can go to get a real estate license in, in two weeks and be a licensed realtor. So, you know, dude, there's like in the county that I work with like 14, 15,000 licensed realtors. Jeez. You might have 25 that are worth anything. And this whole county, I'm not kidding you. Maybe, maybe 30, maybe 40, you know, mm -hmm. out of a big county that, that actually are doing. And I, you know, I consider myself to be one of those guys and rather quickly, you know, when you have these people in this industry for years, 20, 30 years, you know, making bullshit money, traipsing along, um, doing transactions for the people that they knew. 
you know, make it 50, 60 grand a year as a realtor. But if, I guess if you're in Alabama, you're like, oh, man, that's, that's a lot of money there. Uh, but in New Jersey, it's, it's, it's nothing. It really isn't. You can't live on $60,000 a year here to survive. Uh, maybe, maybe as a single person in a one bedroom apartment in a, you know, you know, okay area, but you couldn't raise a family on 60, $65,000. It's impossible. Yeah. The cost of living out there is insane. I don't, I don't, I know you guys all love it out there. I just don't understand. I mean, I understand the lore of Jersey, but the cost of living out there is crazy to me. That's the rub. That's the fucking rub of it. This place is like everybody leaves and comes back. Like, and, and like you look at, and I don't, I'm not scared to leave. I, you know, I, I just am you know, home headquarters is here. I can't just disassemble everything and start moving around. Um, but do people leave and they constantly come back? And a lot of my friends have left the state. They've moved to beautiful places like Florida. And I see them like, how's Florida? They're like, yeah, it's nice. We just miss Jersey. Right. I, it's, it's a weird place, man. It's like once you like the people, everybody I talk to is like, ah, I wish I could move back. They always come back to like, I had a guy who used to rent the, you know, rental property. Kid used to live upstairs for me. Moves to Georgia, brings his wife and kids down there, buys a house, the whole nine. He's there for two years. He comes back. Savannah. What's wrong? Savannah's beautiful, Justin. You know, yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's great. It's great for the kids. I just miss Jersey. So I don't know. There's just something about this place when you're from here. And and again, it's not what you see on the show. The show is fucking fake. I, I, <laughs> if you watch the show, you'll see me on it. Been on episodes of the Jersey Shore. Uh, I've watched them film it. It's all set up. It's all just staged. They make them do those things. I know that I, I'm telling you, you'll see me on the show. I've watched it filmed. Um, so, uh, you know, I, that's not really what the, what this state is about. Uh, matter of fact, what you'll find is people are overall very friendly here and, and will, uh, you know, really help you out. They're, they're good. There's great people here. There really isn't. I think the hospital, yeah, the hospitality across that state overall is pretty, pretty amazing. Everyone's very, uh, Nice, genuine, hot, like do anything for you at any point. It seems like a lot of people. Yeah. What was, what's your favorite part about Jersey? Dude? What do you think other than the hospitality? Like, I mean, were you, what were you surprised at to learn about this state? Well, I mean, my perception of Jersey shore was not necessarily there. I mean, um, how about when we went out for the first time to, uh, I brought T, we went out to meet some of our friends. I brought <laughs> Kenny to the Jersey shore. And we ran into a couple cast members from the Jersey shore. <laughs> Would you text your wife? Like Dennis actually knows them. It was unique because they like they're sitting there and I'm like, it was unique to me because they called for you. It's not like we ran into them and we're like, hey, no, it's like they were screaming for Dennis to come back to their table. And I was like, what the fuck is this about? <laughs> yeah, dude. So people tend to find out that like I, I like know everybody in Jersey. You know what I mean? Like I fucking know everybody here and maybe not so much now. I'm kind of off the map a little bit. I mean, I'm on the map with law enforcement, but um, I think my cousin used to say like, Oh, I love going out with you guys because I swear to God, everywhere we go, you get you just drink for free. You know, every bartender everywhere. Oh, yeah, I know everybody. You know what I mean? Um, the Jersey Shore is unique too. Though. I, I I like that whole like just the the vibe there. Like it's like I don't know something. I could see in summer why people want to go there. I mean, it's it's even during the day, it's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, it's a cool place. Yeah, it's very it's unique. Yeah, and, and you know, again, it's not like what people think it is. It's not like people are walking around with spiked up hair and punching each other like it's a cool place yeah it, it, it is even at even the at night when we would go out it's not as nuts as they made it seem on mtv nah dude it's a it's a show they got to pump it up anyway let's go back right. to the law enforcement talk here sorry so uh essentially what had happened is i now had this real estate thing going and then i had the street cop thing going and um it was dawning i mean the world was telling me through you know, the courses that I was taking, the the education that I was that I was seeking, it seemed like the world was telling me to pick one thing. And then, you know, oddly enough, we got some tickets to go hang out with Gary Vaynerchuk. And if people don't know who that is, he's a uh, a very very big celebrity entrepreneur, and he has a podcast. And the guy's changed my life. He's and amazing. I, yeah, I have the video. Uh, me and a friend of mine went to his wine tasting, and we get to hang out in a room with him for like two hours. There's like us and thirty people, and him and and actually, my wife's cousin is a childhood friend of his. So I kind of had an in when he found that out. Like, I knew I was going to be getting some little nepotism, get picked on. He was answering my questions. Uh, so in a, you know, we had about an 11-minute conversation. It's filmed. And he's like, I think you should stop doing the real estate thing and start doing the police thing 100%. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm making all this money in real estate. He's like, I get it. He's like, I fucking get it. He's like, but I'm telling you, 
you're looking at short term, go for the long term thing. He's like, if your heart's telling you to do the law enforcement thing, why don't you do that? And, uh, you know, and it was, it was a really nice conversation. And I, I came out and my friend said to me, I never get getting in the car and starting to drive home. He goes, so what are you going to do? I go, Nick, I, I can't make this decision tonight. I got to think about it. And, you know, probably within uh, five or six weeks, I began to dismantle and start to slow down on real estate. And it was a scary move. And I remember telling my wife, uh, hey, look, uh, we just moved into our house, uh, you know, and, and it was a you know big to do for us to buy that house. And, and I said, uh, just, you know, keep an eye on like how much we're spending and stuff for the next, I'm going to, I'm going to disassemble the real estate team and move away from it and do street cop training hundred percent. And this is probably 2016 ish, 2017, 2017, 2017, I guess. I don't know. 2017, no, maybe 2018. And uh, yeah, probably 2018. I, 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 I have my time. I'm screwed up. So don't hold me to that. But um, she said to me, well, how long is it going to take? I said, well, listen, this is what I made in real estate. I think I can make it up in, in street cop training uh, financially. If I, if, you know, if the way things are going, she goes, well, how long do you think it's going to take? I think 18 months. And I actually made up the difference in about seven months. Damn. So that's how awesome. fast. Once I started focusing all my energy into this one thing, how fast it caught up. And, uh, you know, once I made this, the one thing that I did, it, it just really took off. And, um, I'm, you know, it's, it, it went from a, a business idea to a purpose. It's fucking wild, dude. So, you know, a lot of the stuff we do because we are a business, we have to make money. We have to hire people. People want these podcasts and better equipment and they want all these videos to come out and all this training. It could never be just me. So I have now, currently we have 21 full-time employees. Um, I could never just do this myself. So we have to procure revenue as a, as a company um, so we can grow and big and, and really do the work that we have to do and change the world. That's really what the game is now is like to literally redo this whole goddamn thing. And, you know, it sounds crazy, but we're doing it <laughs> like we're doing it. It sounds nuts to say something like that, but it's happening. Yeah. I mean, you, if instructors you, now. Yeah. So say if you just look at, so say you did, it was 2018, like that's four years and you have 20 plus full-time uh, employees in the office and then 30 plus instructors around the country teaching. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. That's massive I mean, growth. Listen to this last year, we were we had to do our uh, PPP. We, had, we got a PPP loan. And we had to do the loan forgiveness application. So I didn't realize it, but last year at this time we had four employees. This year we have twenty one. Holy shit, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. and I'm, I'm, I I got two job postings out right now. So that's yeah, crazy. I didn't realize that it was only right now. Yeah, that's awesome. We just that's impressive. It was Videl's first day here today. Josh Videl's first day, so he came in today. So I, awesome. I put him on. I put him on the team. Um, I got two two positions currently looking to get filled, uh, and one is somebody who's a math person on the on the side of social media, so somebody who can actually run targeted ads, and understand the analytics and math, and then because we have six people on the meet, six seven people on the media team now, creating content, filming. Um, That's crazy. Yeah, uh, and then we have a, a we have a position, an admin position open as well, for somebody to be manning the phones and really uh, unobscuring when we're coming to an area and letting people know that there are, you know, calling agencies individually and saying, Hey, we do have training in this area. You know, we've seen you haven't signed anybody up, uh, take a look at it. And it's actually really been working out quite well. So those phone calls, uh, have a really significant impact and it's great because like they'll send one or two people, they'll sign up one or two people. But then when we circle back around seven, eight months later and come back with the next class, they'll send five to eight people for that training because right. they felt it was so good the time before. And, I have a lot of pride in the in the kind of programs that we put out there, the kind of kind of stuff that we deliver. And you know, I'm 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 steadfast with it. Rios was on a podcast recently and he made a joke and he's like, Yeah, Dennis pretty much told me that it was dog shit and you're gonna <laughs> fix it. I said, you know, Rios, um there is a accountability to the reputation of this company. When an instructor shows up with this thing on his or her chest, it means you're gonna you know you're gonna get something great. That's the, that's the truth. And I won't stray from that. I don't need to put people on. I don't need to, I will take my time and be diligent with it and be correct with it to ensure that the brand and the name street cup training is synonymous with, you can expect it to be fucking great. I agree. I, yeah, I completely agree there. I just went to Tommy Brooks's entire class yesterday. Oh dude, tell me. Amazing. Amazing. Isn't he, yeah. dude, he is like the most unbelievable instructor. Like 
No, seriously, we're not doing this for the yeah. podcast. No, no, for real. Like he, I, I told people when he was coming here, I was like, I think he's a, a better instructor than Dennis. And I wasn't trying to be a dick. I'm just like the way he delivers with comedy and knowledge is very unique. And it just, he can bring it all together and it just works for him. Now, if any of us tried to do it that way, I don't know if, it, but he can bring it together. And it's like, dude, he's, you're, like, you're, the, he's like the Rolls Royce of police training. That motherfucker rolls so yeah. smoothly. It is. He it's, doesn't it's, miss a mark. He's funny as hell. He's one badass dude. You could tell, you know, that's not hard to tell. Knows his shit better than anybody ever. And he just is, he's just, a, he's just, and he's got tons of humility too. Like, dude, like the guy's like one of the nicest, kindest dudes you'll ever meet in your life. And that's just another thing that I love about everybody yeah. here has that same dynamic, you know? Yeah. I mean, the hour at the conference, I was blown away and uh, I had to go to it. I, and I sat there the entire day and I was not bored. I was entertained the entire time. Um, it, it was amazing. And I'm not just saying that because of this. I mean, it was absolutely one of the best classes I've ever been to. That's awesome. It's funny. Uh, recently, I think I said to you uh, last night, we were on the phone. The kind of busy that I've become now is it's insane. It's the whole different type of busy. And I had listened to a podcast and they said, you thought you were busy until you actually found out what busy is. And it's just, it's just wild. We, you know, we've got a lot of stuff to do and it's a whole new game for me now. Yeah. Really wearing multiple hats here and, Training a younger staff till we become, you know, we have a couple OGs here, but training, training a younger staff, I really have to be hands on here a lot uh, as we build a media team and cheap up, you know, and, and really run the hat as like a COO, a CMO, and a CEO. So it's, uh, it's interesting what's happening now, but I'm very happy with it. And one thing that was interesting for me is when we had the conference to, I guess, acknowledge how much work we had put in or had been putting in. And all these seeds that were planted, people were coming up to us nonstop all week and saying things like, you changed my life. You remember that time you did that? We it meant so much to us and this, that, and the other thing. And this guy was your big fan and da-da-da. Like, you know, all these things. And I'm like, man, what a wild. It actually took an emotional toll on me for a little bit. Not in a bad way. I was just, I was very overwhelmed emotionally with how much I was getting back from everybody who came to that conference. A thousand people showed up and were just paying so much tribute back to us. And even, even as we were really spending a lot of time with everybody. People don't realize when you come to our conference, you're not going to just see us for an hour. We're literally hanging out with you the whole time. We don't leave every instructor and you'll catch us out at night. We're spending time with you. We're buying drinks for you and uh, you get to really get to know us. And I think people are pleasantly surprised to find that we are genuine and we mean well, you know, and we, we really care about them. When you talk about that, emo yeah, like it's, uh, it's still unique for me to have people want to take, photographs with me and stuff but yeah I, I absolutely loved like sitting down and talking to people and just talking about like um like the trials and tribulations that they have gone through to, in their career because i feel that like i've been there and like i understand it and i can relate to them and i can kind of guide them and it, having that one-on-one -on -one time or even like one-on-six time you know after the conference after hours i felt that that was that was very unique to the conference that you put on like i don't know of another conference that has ever done that in law enforcement it was it was cool it was emotional sometimes because uh some of the things that you know you're being told but overall it was uh it was a really awesome experience to bond with those kind of you know with everyone from across the country that have um you know watched your traffic stop videos or all those other things that you know have guided them and helped them in their career it's pretty cool yeah it's wild dude it's it's wild um you know that's kind of my story dude i mean there's a lot of filler in the middle but in a nutshell even though it's kind of long and explained over 20 minutes that was my story and um have you always been so motivated and driven to like if you see a goal or something that you want to accomplish like it just you're 100 miles an hour at it i like how you volleyed that up knowing the exact answer uh, i always tell people i if i ever wrote an autobiography the title of it if it's not taken would be called willing i am willing to do whatever it takes to meet my goals and I don't mean that in a way where I would do something that was of ill moral character. Um, and, and by the way, as disciplined as I am and as driven as I am, I still don't think I'm anywhere close to where I could be. And I think that uh, I'm not trying to sound like a jerk at all. Um, and I'd like to set examples for people like, you know, right now I am genuinely trying to work out and make it a point to work out heavy weight lifting twice a day. 
right? And I've been consistent with it for about four to five months now. And um, I'm now addicted to the results, but I'm also addicted to the idea of setting an example to people of like, look, I run a company. I'm a father of mad fucking kids. Uh, I'm a hud, you know, all these things. I'm, uh, I'm a friend. I'm this. I'm a, you need me. I, you know, and I also still find time to meditate twice a day and also uh, lift weights twice a day. So, you know, I, 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 there's a goal with that for me on what I envision myself looking like. And I'm just willing to like, look, man, I, I taught class yesterday. It was, you know, you know, now teaching class, it sounds wild. It beats the shit out of you. Exhausting. I have no idea how it is, but it is fucking exhausting. Yeah. It beats the life out of you. And, um, especially, you know, you're screaming all day and putting emotion and passion into it. And, uh, came home last night. I was fucking whooped. Right. I'm like, I got home late. I didn't eat yet. Mm. Woke up this morning, set my alarm clock for 5 a.m. Woke up, meditated. I was super comfortable. I could have went right back to sleep. And I just say to myself, get your fat ass off of the couch and go down to the basement and start working out. And that's what I did, dude. You know what I mean? In the morning, I tell I me, mean, I just do things that are, I think that are just challenging to me. I, you know, we're on Wellwater where I live. The water, the cold water is like, it's like 50 degrees, dude. It's unbelievable. You ever put the cold water on in my house when you were there? I don't think so. When you come over next time, run the cold water. Even in the summer, it doesn't change. The groundwater is like 50 degrees. I run an ice cold shower for two minutes at the end of my shower. I mean, it's, it's numbing, dude. Like it numbs your body. But I run ice cold water for two minutes and I stay in there for two minutes. I count it. And I Jeez. just, I run it through my hair and I get it all over my, I don't, I don't step back from it, dude. It is, it is frigid, but it's part of what I do because it builds courage of how to, you know, and character, you know, I, and I just think about that. I, I do always want to be different than everybody else. So I'm driven when I want to do something, uh, I'm not going to quit till it's done. I went three police academies in four years, you know what I mean? Four and a half years, yeah. something like that. And they weren't fun police academies. They were tough. You know, maybe, maybe the, the, the least tough one was, uh, was the federal law enforcement training center, but it was still tough. There were moments we had, a, we had a, we had a strenuous program and they, uh, they whooped our butt. It was, they, we, we had some real tough days. Uh, I mean, we were exhausted. I lost a shitload of weight there because it was so goddamn hot. It was like 125 degrees every day. Is that down there in Georgia? Yeah, but dude, it's a mean temperature. So if they have these things, you can see these, like, they'll have these things that are like, okay, it's, it's 98 out. But the, but the humidity is like right below when it rains, whatever that is. And they would have like, it's technically 125 degrees out, like every day. That's insane. Yeah. So, dude, it's brutal. And um, I mean, it was so goddamn hot. It was exhausting. But I'll never forget graduating on my graduation day from that academy going, I know I'm going to have to go to another academy. You know what I mean? Like, I just knew it wasn't going to be the end of it. It was like, and it sucked. I'm like, fuck, I got to do this all over again. I know I'm going to do this fucking again and go back to Jersey. And, um, I always tell a story when I was leaving us park police, I had to do an exit interview and the major there was like, Hey, listen, you know, there's a lot of fucked up shit here. This place is a mess. You know that he goes, but you're eligible to come back to this place within a year. You can come back. You have a, up to a year and it's up to the agency to bring you back. He goes, but if you want to come back, you could literally be back here next week. If you change your mind, I'll put you back in seniority. Gun back the whole night. You're going to requalify again. We'll give you a gun back. Go back on patrol and do your thing. And he goes, but if you write fucked up shit on your exit interview, they're not going to take you back. And I went, what's my, what's my exit interview going to do for anybody? They're not going to change anything anyway. Let me play it right. So I wrote some bullshit. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah, things are great. And <laughs> um, I'll never forget being at my first day of academy at this horrible academy here. And I don't mean horrible in the fact that it was, the training was bad. That's a whole different story. I'm saying, Horrible in the sense that it was like literally renowned as one of the toughest or the toughest academy in the state next to the state police academy. And they were kind of hand in hand. I'll be honest with you. Um, I would say they're probably, they probably lined up pretty closely, especially the, the one we went through and the amount of fucking PT we did was fucking annoying. Um, and it was, you know, uh, 6 30, 7 o'clock in the morning. We started in January. It was fucking freezing. We were had 100 pound rucksacks. And uh, we had to hold them. We had to hold them like duffel, they were giant duffel bags and we'd have to hold them. And I remember being out there in formation and just watching the drill instructors coming up. And I'm like, God damn it. 
I can't believe I'm doing six more months of this. And, you know, my head just bicked with a bicked razor and, and, and then running up and starting. And I, there was two guys that were drill instructors that I knew from my old job. They're screwed. They're like, oh, my God, what are you doing here? I'm like, just yell at me. Just yell at me. <laughs> like, you know, I want everybody to know, you know. And uh, I remember my hand being so, like, white purple from holding it and being so cold out that one of the DIs actually showed compassion. He's like, drop the bag. Let me see your hand. He's like, are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, seriously. He's like, I, you know, we're, we're at a roll right now. Are you okay? Is your hand okay? I'm like, I'm fine. I will be fine. I'm like, sir, I'm fine, sir. You know, like, he's like, I'm serious. I'm serious. Are you okay? Cause your hand looks really bad. And I'm like, I'm fine, sir. I'm, I'm good, sir. And I remember sitting there going, hearing that major's voice in my head saying, you can come back. Those are myself, like, I didn't come this far to go back. Like, that, I don't, I don't have plan Bs. My plan B wasn't to go back and fucking... And I knew what their pension was like compared to our pension. I knew what their pay was like compared to our pay. I knew what our salary was compared to their salaries. And, and I knew what our schedule was. Like, we were a four on, four off. Um, you know, I just... I wasn't willing to... I was where I wanted to be for my whole life. I was at the agency that I wanted to work for. is my hometown. We're a big agency, 200 guys. Uh, and girls, you know, I looked up to these guys and I just, I wasn't willing to, to leave and I wasn't going to leave. And I just knew that, uh, if I left, I just wasn't fucking leaving, dude. Right. I went to two academies already. I knew I was going to get through it and I wasn't quitting and I wasn't leaving, but it sucked. And, uh, yeah, I was thankful. Okay. it was, it was a great decision to stay. But people I, give I, you these yeah. avenues, Kenny, they leave you these avenues of like, Hey, if it doesn't work out, do this. You can come back. I mean, I'm not fucking like I didn't leave to come back. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. I don't think that. Yeah. I don't know. You're leaving for a reason. And if ultimately that's not your goal to be there, then you'll be miserable. Even though it's six months of hell, the Brother, next 20 I, uh, years are going to be worth it. I always tell people, you know, your next step in life doesn't have to be your final step. It just to be a, a better step than the last one. You know, I mean, it comes down to like you're wiping tables at Burger King. Maybe you work the register at McDonald's. You know what I mean? You work the register at McDonald's. Maybe you're the uh, the key holder at Chick Fil A, and you know, like like so on and so forth. Like you got to be willing to take these next steps forward and not let fear dictate what you're gonna do. Fear is a bitch, man. And I, you know, I have this this saying that I love, and it's although I have fear, I'm not afraid. I, I do not let fear guide my life one bit. I, I get scared of shit like everybody else. I mean, my anxiety level's pretty low. I'm pretty blessed with that. You get anxiety, dude. Uh, not really. I'm pretty, I'm pretty laid back when it comes. I don't, I can't think of any time that I get anxious. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get worked up either. And, uh, but I also, for what I found is everything that I'm the most afraid of and the best things in my life. And I, I've said this before in the podcast, when I was doing the uh, conference, my wife said, what do you know about doing a conference? I, I never forget. I sit on the couch. I looked over at her and she was in the kitchen and I go, uh, what have I known about doing anything? Said, That's a good point. Said, yeah, you know, I, <laughs> I don't, I'm not afraid of doing these things. And, and let's face facts. That conference was, it was just, it worked out so wonderfully. You know, we learned some lessons, but overall, I couldn't have been happier with how that thing worked. It was, one, it was literally like the, the highlight of my professional career that week. I had a fucking one. It was just wonderful. It was a wonderful. It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I've heard, I didn't hear anything negative about it from anyone, like any, even complete strangers. Uh, and showing some of the videos to even people that weren't there, they're like, that's amazing. Like, no, there's nothing, there, there's nothing like it in law enforcement. That's for sure. You and know, I, I, I think, yeah, no, no, good. And me, for me personally, you're talking about the fear stuff. Like I used to have fear. Like I used to, um, I mean, you asked me to teach for, with you, for you, uh, like the day after you left into Hobart. And I was like, yeah, I just need some time. Like then, I had personal goals and I just know me personally that I'm going to dive into things, but there's also some fear there where I was like, fuck, like, yeah, that's cool. But like fear of that. And then as we became friends and just listening to you talk, like listening to your reasoning behind a lot of things when it comes to fear and shit like that, it's helped me like just uh, become a better person. Cause I just, I can't emulate you, but I can take what you say. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And apply it to the way it benefits me in my own life. I don't really say a lot of things that I don't think make sense. Um, and I put a lot of thought into the things that I say before I say them, you know, I mean, we goof around and stuff like that, but you know, overall, I think people find that uh, I'm probably a voice of reason when it comes to things. And, and, you know, maybe sometimes I come off non-compassionate because I don't really, I'm not a big, 
I'm an empathizer in some sense, but I'm also not somebody who is going to be your first choice to come and cry with. Uh, it's not how I'm built. I'm because of a dynamic of how my life was, uh, you know, through my childhood and into my adulthood. And I just, I handle things differently. I'm a fixer. I never sit down, you know, like we just, we had something happen today and I'm like, what, what is, what is people getting worked up about? Get it resolved in 20 fucking minutes. Relax. You know, what are we getting worked up about? Somebody, <laughs> I'm not gonna tell stories. They're funny stories, but, uh, yeah. So dude, I, I, you know, I try to reason with people as well as I can and do it in a, in a professional and compassionate manner. But, uh, you know, I, I'm somebody who sees things very, very arbitrary in a sense of like, like, what are we, what are we talking about? This is easy. You guys get all worked up about shit over nothing. It's a piece of cake. I, I, uh, there's someone important in my life that, uh, they have some anxiety sometimes and they'll get like, you know, worked up over things. And if, uh, if it turns into someone like, uh, I don't know, like an argument or something, I literally just start laughing and I'm like, and this is what we're mad about. Like you're mad about this out of everything that's going on right now. You're mad about this. And then it usually turns into uh, something that we just start laughing about. But uh, I don't know if I took that from you or if I had that before, but it's, it's something that we, I still do. I know whenever like something small and people are making this small thing into a big thing, I'm like, this little thing is what we're mad about. Like, what is the, you know, and it just turns into almost like something to laugh about. And then it changes the whole dynamic of the situation at the time. Yeah. And actually, you know, it's interesting that, that that's actually a good thing. Um, in a relationship or whatever relationship you have with that person to be able to pivot like that. Um, it's actually, I read a book called, uh, something it's by, by John Gottman. So it's a Gottman technique about marriage and stuff like that. And that's actually one of the things that uh, they talk about being able to do is to be able to switch that dynamic into turning a stressful situation into something that's more comical. Today, uh, Caitlin was having a bad morning. So <laughs> Tina goes, why do you, like, she's having a bad morning. Why are you still there, Ken? Because I lost your video. Yeah, hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. I just got a phone call. Yeah, I figured as much. Um, so you know, Dean is like, uh, you're you're really gonna break her chops when she comes in. I said, yeah, I that's what I do. I if you're having a bad day, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna mess with you and like make you laugh and have a good time. Well, listen, I think that uh, we've had a good podcast episode. I'm sure we'll do it again in the future. We've been going for quite some time now. Hopefully, I didn't bore anybody with my story. I think people are interested in the backstory. Um, there's more to it. I'm open book. I'm a transparent person. Anything that anybody wants to know, I'm more than happy to help. We've got some real cool stuff going on, Ken. I would like to tell you, I'm going to get off the, well, you know, we'll get off the podcast and I'll tell you some cool things we've got going on, uh, with some opportunities and, uh, interesting awesome. stuff happening. You know, the next conference we talked about earlier is going to be really, really something else. So look for the 2023 street cop conference, Nashville, Tennessee, April 23rd to the 28th. So far keynote speakers, Rob O'Neill, the guy who shot Bin Laden. And then we also have Kyle Carpenter who is the, the youngest living Congressional Medal of Honor winner. I'm going to see if we get these guys on the podcast before we actually have the thing. I'm going to reach out to their people. And uh, we've actually had a few interesting things going on, too, in the background, and I'll tell you more about that. But is there anything else you want to cover before we, uh, before we wrap this up? No, I'm good. I, I, wanna, I think that people seeing the background of you understand um, kind of where you're at and where Street Cop comes from. So I think that that gives it a lot of... Um, a lot of understanding. I think people seeing the background of how you got to where you're at and, uh, I don't know, just, it gives them more insight on the desires and your motivation behind the company. I mean, if you're going into that in a, in a macro explanation, uh, I was just sick of watching cops not know what to do. No, yeah. It makes perfect sense. That's literally everything. I just, I, I, I knew what you should do in these situations and other people didn't. And I wanted to share it, right? There's so much can be resolved. And it's a simple education of, like that nobody was covering anywhere, you know? And yeah, I, I agree. I, I think then growing and developing as a more stoic adult and mixing that in has come out to a real nice cocktail of why people find themselves um, lured and, and attracted to who we are as a group. And our family is very vast, large and wide, and there's always some room for people on, on our team, that is for sure. And we're not somebody who, and, and we don't, we don't play in the fucking dirt. You know what I mean? We don't go down and do fucked up shit. Like some people in this industry do do. Uh, we don't do that shit and we just avoid it and we just take the higher road. And, and uh, I've said that a thousand times, uh, the higher roads, less crowded. That's why we take it. It's easier to get around up there. Oh yeah. It makes sense. I mean, 
yeah, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> go down there. And if I got to go back home and uh, get my second workout in for the day, I can't sit on this podcast and talk shit about doing it and actually not follow through. So uh, right. without further ado, check out treecop.com. Kenny's class is coming up. We've done previous podcasts with Kenny. If you want to go back into your podcast catalog and this Street Cop Training podcast, you'll find Kenny's podcast uh, that he's been on a few times in the past. And check out his program, Interdiction Mastermind. You will not be disappointed. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook and give us a review. Google us. Throw us five stars. Appreciate it. Helps us a lot with our SEO development. Go on to Spotify and Apple iTunes and give us a good review so other people can see it if you're really finding value in this podcast. And I appreciate all of you and your, your continued support. And we will always show up to the best of our building view everything that we have. So appreciate you being on today, Ken. And uh, I'll talk to you later. See you.